Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut through the bullshit and get to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your host, Cristiano, along with my co-host in his nice little, I keep calling it a flannel, but it's not a flannel. It's a plaid shirt, button-down shirt, which I believe might have been the first shirt you wore on your first day at Rhino. Is that accurate? It is true. It is nice. It is not little, Chris. Okay. It's not from the baby gap where you get your clothing. It's a Columbus-based company. We'll talk about that. Um, no, Chris, I'm a uh, this is a special shirt. This is my favorite shirt. When I want to feel like dialed in and professional, I wear it because our guest deserves that level of preparedness today. Because of all the guests we'd have, this have had, this one might be like the most accomplished in the corporate world. Am I wrong? Wow. Look at you. Ashley, like you're not even ready for that. Like this is fantastic. Paul came out of the gate, guns blazing, setting the tone, wore his button down shirt. If you could just undo one little extra button, you know, so you're not so put together. That'd be, I appreciate that very nope, much. I'm, I'm not going to do it. Chris, real quick, no guest podcast hosts this week. They're going to surprise me when you turn the camera. No, because I saw how upset you were. And like, I saw a little bit of a tear come down your eye and I had to like overcompensate by complimenting you over and over again. So I, I was stunned. So for everyone who listened to the last podcast, if you haven't listened, he turns the camera mid podcast and Travis Ringy from pro skills is on with Ishmael. It was incredible, but it completely stunned me. Well, and I thought I was going to lose my job. Well, he did you, that talked over job. Me, you talked over me like three or four times and yeah. enough was enough. And it just worked out that he was there. I mean, so yeah. you don't have to worry about your job. You're safe. So, Hey, they I want to talk job. about something real quick before we get into this podcast. And then I want to make sure I'm being very cognizant of Ashley's time. Um, cause we have some really good business stuff to go through, which, uh, for all of our listeners, um, it's really important that you pay attention to the business side of this and some of the takeaways that you'll have from this podcast from, um, fr- and it's going to be a different point of view, but I want you to, uh, you know, buckle up and take some notes, you know, on if you're working out or like, you know, on the airplane or you're in your office or wherever you're at, you got to focus because you need to be able to, uh, sometimes think outside the box, think bigger at times. Right. And that's what we're going to go through. But I want to talk about this real quick. So Paul, you know, like in the mornings is the time that, you know, I spend a lot, I get to spend like a little bit of time with my wife drinking coffee and we talk about like real life stuff. Right. And so a conversation came up and it was about, um, you know, is being smart now hang with me. Cause I'm not, I'm not super smart. Okay. <laughs> not super smart. I'm not stupid. I'm not super smart. Like she's really smart. And her brothers are really, really smart. And she thinks like, hey, uh, yeah, my brothers are much smarter than me. And I'm like, but you're more successful than them. Bro, are they listening to this? I don't care. Like, you know, I don't care. They know that they're really smart, but she's more successful than them. And that's yeah. not a negative. Like, she's successful. Yeah. And she's, I get but, it. So, but I wonder, like, can sometimes being too smart be a deterrent? Now, and let me, now let me ask you on this because I think that you're smarter than me. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you, Paul. I haven't even introduced oh. Ashley. I'm talking to you. Okay. So, yeah. can you say but, that again? That smarter part. Yeah. I, sometimes I think you're a smart ass. Um, more than more than me. No, I'm kidding. That's me. So listen. But here's why I bring that up, and this is I think what made for those that don't know. I'm also for anybody who's new listening. I'm also the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a digital marketing company for the trades since 2008. So that's been my life. But but businesses don't work when you just have visionaries. Right. You also have to have, you know, the, you know, the organization, the finance, like there's all these other pieces that actually I would say arguably are more important because you could actually have somebody who can execute and, and do it well. And sometimes you'd be organized, all these things that go into making a business extremely successful. Visionary, I feel like is the easy part, you know, and doing it is easy part, like putting it out there is easy part, but you got to have really smart people and really, you know, intelligent people like this to help guide you down the path to getting things actually accomplished. But here's what my, here's where I'm going with that. Do you think it's fair that sometimes if you're too smart, you might end up with analysis paralysis because you're trying to overanalyze situations or overanalyze, you know, adding this new product or service or overanalyzing this marketing thing or overanalyzing adding this team member that you are now slow, which is the opposite of what Gary Vaynerchuk said on our previous podcast about speed being a necessity, going fast. But don't you think sometimes that that could be a deterrent? 
if you have somebody that's too smart who is analysis paralysis for our type of industry where we're talking speed, do you, what's your thoughts on that? Like, I feel like you are like the in-between, because we talked about this, and we'll get into it with a question with Ashley, but you tell me. Like, this was the conversation we had this morning for like 45 minutes on, is this a, is this a deterrent or not a deterrent? What is your thoughts on that quickly? So first of all, I just want to thank you for uh, broadcasting my performance review is what this feels like. But I will say <laughs> being too smart, and I'm using air quotes, and I don't consider myself too smart by any stretch of the imagination, but can get you into trouble if you get to a point where you have more answers than you have questions. So that is how you guard against that. But yeah, ab absolutely on that analysis paralysis, having too much data. I mean, sometimes like you have to go with your gut. And this is why you and I work so well together. So we're going through a leadership assessment right now, you and I. And so we're doing a disc assessment. If you're not familiar with disc assessment, Google it, can't explain it. Chris and I are absolutely opposite of one another. And so at first you look at it and you're like, oh gosh, I'm deficient in this area. And he's sufficient in this area, but really everybody's just different and not one's right or wrong. But yes, I think you can be, if your intelligence leads you to a point where you have answers all the time, but not questions. It's a big problem. Yeah. So and I appreciate that. So I think there's also the, uh, the person who's good at all those things, right? Like maybe not exceptional, all those things, but is really smart, but also is, you know, a, like a doer. And I think our guest actually is, is, is a good fit for that, which is why I believe that this podcast is going to be really great. And there's going to be a lot of good information from it because I think that's, that's a minority, in a, in a person. So I'm really excited to have on our guest. I'm going to go ahead and get right to introduction. So thanks for uh, indulging in that conversation with me, Paul. Um, it was going somewhere, uh, <laughs> but so real quick, our guests, I actually, um, I, so I, I met her, gosh, it's probably been what, three, four, five, has it been three, four, five years ago, actually something like that. I can't remember when you guys were out here last. Probably a little longer than that. Okay. It could be. Yeah. There's a good, listen, my, I thought it was, I thought it was like Friday, two days ago. So that's you know, on Monday. That's where my head's at. So our guest though has worked for some, I mean, some massive, some monster companies, um, really all in the, in the C-suite, you know, side of things. I'm just, I just want to ramble, uh, ramble a couple of them off. Um, it looks like you were mostly the CIO, uh, CIO, which is chief integration officer for the, for the, uh, the previous companies, which is, uh, um, or restoration hardware. One of them, uh, DSW was, which is what, like a $3 billion dollar, you know, company, um, Golfsmith, uh, West Marine, which is, I think West Marine, like a, uh, seven, 800 million, like somewhere up there. I'm not sure, but I know it's close to that. And then Zales for all you guys who might've bought, you know, one, two, or maybe even three rings for your wives. Who knows? <laughs> um, you probably know who what Zales is. Um, <laughs> um, and then you, now you also did, you did some, um, serve some clients at, I don't know. I don't want to say this wrong. Is it Deloitte? Deloitte. Deloitte, which is like Nailed a 47 50 45 billion dollar like monster um all to say uh stupid people don't get into those positions you can't get that lucky you got to be really and really smart but methodical too and that's what i believe we're going to pull from this so now our guest is now the ceo and managing partner of reach partners which she'll tell us a little bit more about also the ceo and founder of reach xod which means executives on demand and we're going to tap into that welcome ashley aldridge Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here today. You are going to crush it, and I know it. So what I want to do, and like I was saying pre-podcast, is I don't want to diminish the uh, introduction here, so I thought it would be good for you to just share a little bit with the listeners um, a little bit more details of uh, maybe kind of some of the things that you've you've done, I mean, um, you know, through the career, like a, maybe doesn't need to be a super long version, but a short version, as, and then where you're at today, like how you got to this space, and then kind of and then we'll go from we'll go from there into the, some of the questions. Sure. So I think you'd title me kind of as a transformation executive. Um, I tend to come into organizations when the company wants to grow or do something big or different, and I bring together what is today a big buzzword around transformation. This um, is just a buzzword, but the people, the processes, and the technology to make that happen. And as we all know, technology undergirds pretty much everything today in doing businesses. So I have a very deep expertise, particularly related to technology space and how you can help enable that um, in a digital footprint. But you know, my Ashleyism is um, I can implement anything all day long as long as people are not involved. <laughs> so I loved the disc 
uh, comment because it's, you know, technology is not actually the problem. It's the rearranging of the people and the priorities and the processes Got to it. enable it. Um, in the companies that I've worked in, I've been responsible for IT. I have run the direct business, which is the online e-commerce business and call center, which I know um, is near and dear to many of your listeners' hearts. Mm -hmm and uh, helped do a number of other things within those organizations. A few years ago, I stepped out and decided uh, with a lot of advice actually to um, use my skills for good with helping companies that wanted to transform themselves, big and small. And so we started, I started our management consulting firm. It's a small business, just like you guys have. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been able to use my skills and my learning from big business within the small business arena um, we all send, tend to have the same problems. We just have different emphasis. So um, we work with large companies, but we also work with small companies every day, helping them to transform, grow, reposition, replatform their businesses. When you look back on some of the different roles you had, what are you most proud of? Either a moment or a project? Ooh. I earlier in my career, I would point to a specific project or I would report to a specific um, place that we reached. Um, I had a company that we had to do a transformation and it was over about three and a half years and we accomplished 92% of everything we had on the list, which is pretty outstanding. Wow. And I would be like really excited about that. I would say now and my at where I am now is all of the things that really excite me and I look back over my career, it's where I invested in people and I watched them grow. I, I you know, gave them an opportunity that may have been a little bit beyond what they would have done for themselves and then tried to nurture and encourage that. I'm not sure that they would say it was nurturing, but it was. <laughs> and they grew into that role and they took it on. Uh, those are the things that I feel like have made the most impact and difference over time. And those particular individuals are in significant seats right now. And that's the same thing that I like to do with my clients. I spend a lot of time with CEOs and I do a lot of coaching. Um, our team does to help them grow and kind of get outside of their own limitations that they're thinking about their business. So I want to step in for a second. I want to, I want to give a little extra context to the listeners um, on, on conversation actually I actually and I had I think it was about a month or so ago when we were talking about having her on here's my here's how I think I've always uh I've really kind of positioned myself in the home services space specific to internet marketing digital marketing as being a thought leader um and always being the one who tries stuff the fastest new tech now chases the technology to always try and stay ahead of the game for our customers um I still do that today like it's what I've uh, what I've been I feel like it's been one of my it's what I'm good at. Um, so whenever I was talking with you and thinking, okay, if I'm a, you know, a, a million dollar HVAC company, if I'm a $10 million HVAC company, if I'm a $50 million HVAC company, would I still have access to somebody who has been a C-level and a Fortune 100 company that I could get, bring into my company? I think the odds are pretty slim, um, you know, or even at 500, I don't know, but I feel like the odds are slim. But in my brain, I'm like, what if, though, you could bring in that brain or multiple C-level brains onto your leadership team, even if you're a million, a $2 million company, and you can start to build out a plan from that? Not just a plan, but an actual ex, uh, a plan that you could actually execute with steps along the way. And, oh, and somebody look at your financials. And, oh, somebody look at your technology. And, oh, like, then I started thinking, my goodness, leadership is key in, in growth and scaling a company. Um, and, and what you've kind of positioned yourself as, is even though you talk about like this transformation, I mean, that's really what an integration officer is too, is you're taking some of those transformations and then integrating them into companies and making them very successful. Um, but you also got to have, uh, that thought leadership to know how to continue to put yourself ahead of a, comp a comp you know, competition, things like that. So I believe, um, can you hire good managers? Yes, that are really good thought leaders that aren't in, you know, these big, you know, C-level fortune publicly held companies. I believe so. But I just think there's a different skill set when you do and you can have that type of person who starts to understand your team. They can see problems faster and solutions quicker too. And so I was really intrigued by thinking, I can't wait to get into this, not only from your own input, um, from your own experience, 
you know, kind of on the fly with some questions, but also like some of the success, you know, success cases, you know, whether, you know, just with some of the things that you've done, bringing in some of your, the team and your, and your peers that you've worked with, because you've clearly worked with some very, very intelligent people uh, along the way as well. So I want the listeners to know this is one of those deals where I believe wholeheartedly that if you can, if you take away some of the things that Ashley shares with you, it's going to put you outside of the norm of what you're used to hearing or what you're, you, the feedback you're used to getting. I don't care how many seminars you've been to or masterminds you've been in or mixed groups you're a part of or conferences you've been at and listened to. This is a different, it's coming from a different angle. So I want you guys to, to listen up. So um, I'm going to get right into it. So kind of piggybacking on that. Knowing that, you know, and actually, you know, I've talked about this, knowing that this podcast serves the home services space, mostly HVAC, electrical, you know, roofing, plumbing, all that type of stuff. Um, help the listeners connect the dots from your opinion on how someone with your background as a C-level or like publicly traded companies can help them. Just the small guy, even if it's, you know, like I talked about, you know, there's a, there's a decent little gap, but how, how would you help them connect the dots on how like somebody reaching out to Ashley would be, would be a success? I think great question. And I, so I, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, I was a C-level executive for over 20 years. Um, I'm now the CEO of a women-owned small business. So I can speak with authority on how sure. to answer this question because I sit on both sides. You know, the issues that we face in the service business particular, particularly are all the same. We need revenue, we need to grow, we only have a certain amount of resources. You know, we've got products, we've got services, we've got people that serve, you know, on our behalf and we've got to manage customers and we've got to manage experiences and we've got to manage financials. So we all have those same issues. Like a, a really good example is big, huge company, multi-billion dollar company runs a digital website, does email, takes money, makes orders, delivers services. Okay, well, so do the small ones. Like we all do that. The difference is not the issues we face, it's the emphasis we put on them. So a, a, the easiest example I can give is it's one thing to work inside of a company where our goal and it's like severe consequences if this does not happen, that we're going to continue to maintain $100 million of operating cash flow, right? Like that's the goal and oh my gosh, we've all got to chase it. And I mean, bad things are really going to happen if you go below that. Okay. Well, it's very different to manage cash flow in a small business. Sure. We all have the same process, but it's very different consequences and you feel the weight in a different way. So it, it's about how do you reallocate resources? And, you know, the best story that I can have is, yeah, I've worked in big companies. I've learned a lot of methodology. I've learned a lot of leadership tactics. I've, I know a lot of things just tactically, but in the small business arena, I would never have been able to build a business model, launch a business, design a website, build a business website, take the ecosystem of advisors and go from absolutely not even a concept to a finished delivered product with a brand new business in four weeks in a big company. That would have just been, I'm not saying never, but it's 99% challenging to make something like that happen inside of a big organization. Slower. Whereas small business owners, I could do that because I'm nimble. I'm able to move faster and I, and there's some competitive advantage to that process. I have limited resources. So instead of having 250 people working on the project, you know, we had four, Sure. <laughs> but we, you know, the framework of decision-making is still the same. I still had to address all of the same things. Who's our customer? What's our competitive landscape? What kind of financials and operations are we going to run? Which technology are we going to use? What's the messaging we're going to put out in front of our customer? How often do we want to talk to the customer? How do we attract a customer? How do we retain a customer? How do I pay for people to support this business? How do I train them? You know, what's our goal for our financials? How are we going to actually make this work? And oh, by the way, we got to go faster. So I think there are some things around the big framework that really have been insightful and empowering not only to me, but to the rest of my team. A lot of my team members are also exiting CXOs, um, but the um, nimbleness of being a small business on, on one hand is challenging, certainly in the current environment we're all in from a market perspective with COVID, but also extremely opportunistic if you think about it in the right way. 
smartac.com, smartac.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. Smartac.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Tell me more about your specific model. So how do you help small businesses today with your new company? We, so during COVID, you know, we had to do a big pivot and this is kind of one of the um, points around strategic planning, right? We have a business model as a management consulting firm and we serve clients and we help them solve strategic problems, uh, all kinds of things like that. But as we came into the pandemic, we were sitting around and we were thinking through, you know, what it felt like the last time we went through uh, as executives, we were sitting in a seat when you know we went through the recession before and we were forecasting out oh my gosh do you remember what the next eight consecutive quarters were like sitting in that seat oh my gosh do you remember how that felt it was first time in seat you know one day there's 10 people at the table the next day there's three you're just happy you're one of the three but the work didn't go away it just got repositioned right and now i have areas i don't even know what i'm doing but i'm supposed to run them you're not going to necessarily like have a heart to heart chat with your executive committee in the middle of that. You're just happy you made the cut. So as we talk through that challenge, you know, I had the idea, I'm like, you know, we're out every day helping to helping companies be disruptive and create a new market or test a new plan or put a new technology. Why can't we disrupt the advisory market? Like, why can't we, get access to some in the seat executives and board members through our network that we all know, but connect that talent and advice to humans and businesses that need it and really desperately need it right now as we face this because 80% of executives sitting in the seat anywhere at any company, small business included, um, often feel alone and they feel isolated and they, you know, it's lonely at the top. That's not just a saying, it's a real thing. And so how could we like connect talent and advice, super experienced with people that are facing some of these things for the very first time in their whole career and, you know, make that happen in a disruptive, digitally enabled, cost-effective manner. And so that is really how ReachXOD was born. And the net result of that has really been a powerful impact in the small business community, particularly because we've learned through the process of um, kind of standing ReachXOD up and doing the work of the work that um, the two reasons small businesses fail, well, the number one reason is you run out of cash. So if you take that off the table, the other two reasons are that the team, the executive, the owner does not have access to the type of talent that he or she needs to do the work of the work. And the second reason is, this is why small businesses fail, this is all documented outside of the cash issue, is that they don't have a business plan. And that was just shocking to us, you know, as we've learned this. So these are all things that can um, be infused into a small business in a fairly painless way by connecting people who are doing the work of the work with people who need some advice, but you know, they can't afford to go out and hire a Deloitte. They're not going to go, you know, afford to go bring in somebody for half a million dollars. You know, they need advice on demand. And so we now provide that to them. I love it. I love it. Um, hence the executives on demand. Um, so you, you brought up business plan. I want to talk about that. And actually a couple quick things. Um, you said, you know, not enough talent. Um, I swear we just had this conversation, Paul, because one of the things that, um, I'm going to reference this again, and this isn't, I, I, in the beginning, um, for those who don't know me that well, um, I had no idea. I don't, I don't have any business skill whatsoever. When I started the company, none. Um, thankfully my, my wife did. But I had none. So I learned the business by being in the business. Um, but as I've grown, I've learned a ton. And I love that part of it. The process is the most rewarding thing for me. Um, but one of the things I learned before we created a partnership with Gary Vee was, and I shared this with him, and Paul, you know this, is that we shared this video that I watched of his that was talking about talent. And, um, and, I, and I 
am, I believe so strongly in it today that it's not about how many people can you throw at a problem. It's can you like, let's find the most talented person and put that person to fix multiple problems or to focus on a problem, but somebody who's adequately skilled to actually handle that problem. That's a good leader, but it's not a, uh, it's not a throw a bunch of people at a problem. It's find the right talent. It's a talent game. And so you can't always acquire the best talent, which is why I believe in this, uh, this whole reach XOD model is fantastic to get executives on demand because you've already got that guaranteed talent that can come in and help you problem solve and move forward. So you mentioned a business plan. So I want to, I want to go down that path for a second. You guys cool with that? Yep. Okay. So, um, we actually had a podcast previously. I don't remember which one it was, but a gal named Ellen Rohr that owns a, a franchise, very successful throughout the, uh, um, home services space. She runs a company called zoom drains, um, a franchise, uh, called zoom drains, multiple franchises actually. And we talked about this and kind of her thought process on business plan. So I'm always curious about it because, um, I never really had a business plan coming into this. And I think that a lot of the listeners can relate. So you've been, uh, I, and I think that uh, part of this is what your business plan is at maybe the level you've been at, Ashley, is is grander, possibly. There's more details to it. But is there some like principal things that if you're a small business that you should say, well, yeah, regardless, like these are the things that you you have to do. But you do agree, like you have got to have a business plan of some sort before you move forward, right? You can't just be like, you know, wild, wild west and go and just sell and just hope that you get it figured out in the back end, right? Like you agree, you have got to have a business plan of some sorts, right? I believe that you absolutely, if you want to be more than you in a briefcase running around, you need a business plan. And I think, you know, right now, if COVID hasn't taught anybody anything, you absolutely better be forecasting your cash out and you need to start with that. So like, what's your forecast for your cash? That's not necessarily a business plan. It's a forecast, but I've come to find <laughs> that there are people who really are not doing that. And I mean, they're not even just doing like a basic fundamental financial, you know, um, discipline. I, I think business plans are super important because if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. And as an, as an owner and a CEO and a leader, you're supposed to be the visionary for your company. That is in fact your job. That is like the mantle of you should have a vision. And, and then you need to communicate it to those that are working with you to inspire them and ask them and invite them to participate on the journey, sure. which means you need to actually have a plan to get to that castle on the hill. So what is your castle on the hill? And then what's your plan to get there? And so it doesn't have to be over-architected, but you need to have a plan. Yeah, and you should be sharing that with everyone often, right? Just to kind of keep it going, Correct. like that vision. I mean, if you're an inspirational leader, you want to understand the vision and you want to inspire people to go after the vision. And you want to be able to communicate how you're going to get there. But more importantly, you want them to be able to communicate the vision back to you and also participate in telling you how they're going to get there. So everybody's aligned. You're all rowing in the same direction. You're playing like a team. You're moving the ball down the field. You know, all the analogies that are super important. But that's the essence of what a business plan is about. And, and so like something like COVID comes up. What's your thoughts on changing that plan mid plan? I think a plan, a, a strategic plan, which needs to be over multiple years. So you can decide what your horizon is, but you should have your strategic plan. It should be a BHAG plan. You should have a big goal. And one of the things I think that's super important about creating that is get yourself an advisor, somebody that is not in your shop, somebody that is going to challenge you, somebody that's going to hold you accountable, put a plan together because they're going to help you think bigger. They're going to challenge your, well, this is the way we've always done it, or we couldn't do that. Well, why couldn't you do that? And so you get this plan. And then, you know, the way that we use it, I still, I use this in my small business. Every quarter after we finish the quarter results, I go back and look at what did we say we were going to do this year strategically, not just my revenue and my profit and my turnover and my customer acquisition. Those are my operating metrics. But what are my strategic things that I said, I'm going to move the needle and I, these are super important. Am I on track for that or am I not on track for that? And I'm honest about that. And I share that with my entire team and I do a red and green, like we did it or we didn't do it. Like it's really simple, but we're on track or we're not. And so then COVID happens and you know, <laughs> the end of my second quarter, uh, quarterly business review with my firm was not the prettiest picture. Like strategically we had like, 
a lot of red, but we also had, we still had some green strategically, which was shocking and exciting. And like, but we still have green. So you know what? We're gonna replan the back half of the year and we'll have to adjust what year two of the three-year strategy was or year four of the five-year strategy. And maybe some of that's gotta move to year six, but we're still staying on track with the strategy or like this thing's dead and now we're adding this thing. Like we launched a whole new business unit, you know, which is a separate business, but you know, that took some resources out of uh, the management consulting practice to move them over. So we had to make some pivots. That's what it is. It's a plan. I always say like, you know, a budget and a plan, you, I can, I can 100% guarantee you you're either going to be over or under with absolute certainty. You're going to be <laughs> over or under. So you got to be comfortable with that and pivot as necessary that you're, and if you're doing good strategic planning, you're going to be able to build in the nimbleness and the agility to do that, which is so important in today's market. I want to think about, or I want us to talk about, you know, a small business. We use HVAC as an example. Of course, a lot of our listeners are HVAC plumbing companies um, that started off on his own and, you know, eventually hired one person, then two, and now they're running a five or $10 million company but they're not a great leader, right? Mm -hmm. Can you fix that? What do you do with that? So, you know, my, my perspective of leadership is that there are all kinds of different personalities that lead, but there are some specific characteristics that I find to be incredibly important. As the leader, really good leaders need to have a high emotional IQ. They need to have a high level of self-awareness they need to be able to, especially in today's economy with the talent in the market, uh, you gotta be able to collaborate with your people. So let's, I have seen leaders who maybe, maybe are not the best collaborators. They do not inspire well. They're not vivid visionaries. They're kind of executors. But the, those leaders, and they're introverted, which is also not necessarily the norm for that role, right? But what the, those individuals that have been successful still in that role are very good at surrounding themselves with people who will speak truth to power, who will challenge them. You know, they make sure they have a diverse, even if they only have two people report to them, they're not little mirror minions of the leader, right? And I think that that's part of the key is in order to build a business and to be able to drive it successfully, long-term sustaining, you need a diverse set of talent um, more on the softer side related to yeah. leadership. Know what your blind spots are and fill them. Don't be afraid to do that. It'll make yeah. you better off in the end. I have met people in the past in this business and I've thought to myself, I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but I think, man, they've been successful because under no circumstance could they work for anybody else. Like they're that rough around the edges. No one else would ever hire them. And so they just kept working and doing their thing. And next thing you know, they're a millionaire, right? Um, I want to take the question a step further. And I want to think about, you know, a company that's had some success and they've got a, um, you know, a leader who has those qualities of emotional IQ and awareness and humility. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, I really need you know, a chief marketing officer, a chief financial officer, a VP of sales or a director. And then they go out and they realize, oh my gosh, this entire team I've built, I'm now going to have to hire someone who's making two to three times what this person's making, right? Way out of market. Is that one of the problems that you help solve? We do help solve that. I mean, we, there's kind of three lanes, right? So for the smaller business, um, we, we've been able under reach XOD to provide, I need six hours a month of a chief marketing officer for the next five months. And then really I actually need three months where I just need like four hours a week with a CFO to help us get through our annual planning. And these are, these are obviously bigger than one to $5 million entities. They're probably past the $6 million number. And they, they just need that kind of almost just in time. And that's really all that they want to afford. But they also want to be able to change it as they go through their year um, based on what it is they're trying to cover. Like we've had a big influx of inquiry around our chief operating officers because of the pivot with COVID. And services are similar, right? You're out in the ecosystem working with consumers every day. There's a lot going on there that you need to figure out at an operating level. So we've had a lot of inquiry around the COO role. Can I get a few hours of somebody on a regular basis? 
that's one model. As companies also get bigger or more complicated as they, as you are on your growth path with the small business, now you say, hey, instead of it just being advice, I really want a fractional person. Like I need somebody as a, my go forward CFO or CIO or chief marketing officer, chief digital officer, two days a week, every single week. And so we have the ability to also supply fractional. And then as they get even bigger, maybe they have those people and they have some bigger transformation efforts in the management consulting practice, we can actually help them on the management consulting side. So we have the ability to touch across the spectrum, but for the small businesses, it's pretty much that advisor and fractional kind of work that we're, where we're really helping. And, and a lot in the advisor, just given the economics. Right. I, I would imagine, sorry, Chris, I know you were up to the mic, but I would imagine that if structured correctly, you could get as much or more out of a two day a week executive than a five day a week salaried position that's in office dealing with all the other distractions. And, you know, I, I have to imagine that that's a model that's successful for people. Um, I would say from our perspective <laughs> that um, we have a high bar of qualifying talent. We don't just take anybody off the street. They have to have actually sat in the seat for at least five years most of our average tenure is 15 years in the seat and they're almost all fortune 100 fortune 500 individuals but they also have to have actually been a transformational leader so that they've had to wrestle with high growth or you know divestiture all kinds of different challenges and i think as a result of that you're exactly right they get you get quite a bit out of even just a few hours of the same person walking along and helping you on your journey as a ceo um, you get talent that you can't actually afford <laughs> in your shop. Like I get it. Cause I'm running a small business too. You know, I outsource all my accounting because there, I can't, I'm not going to have a full-time chief accounting officer in my shop. It just doesn't make sense for me. So very few of our listeners have ever worked for a fortune 500 or 100 company, right? Um, many have never been CEOs for those types of companies. So they don't know exactly what it's like, but they probably have a vision of what that type of role is. We all do. Um, when you leave that world, what are some of the muscles that you gain as a CEO of a publicly traded company or, you know, just a, a large fortune 100 company that you take with you, like things that you can't unlearn that are super valuable as you get out in kind of your own practice, like you're doing now. Um, one of the, I, I mean, several things, that's a great question in my mind. So, you really learn to see around the corner that it, it, and, and way further, so many more moves than you would normally otherwise, because you have to, particularly if you're publicly held and you're in a strong publicly held company, that's a big one. Two, your, your ability to lead, guide, coach people, you get, in my opinion, at least the teams that I run with, you get really good at that because you have to. And, um, and I think you, you really marry, in, in some cases, right, it's all about the individual, but at least the ones that we're dealing with, you marry this strategy with the practicality of the day-to-day, -day, right? Like every single day, and, and I personally come from like majorly retail and services background. So no matter how good we did yesterday in sales, today's a new day and we start with zero, which is red. So when do we get to the green? How do we drive our customer satisfaction and traffic. And you have to wear and carry the weight of that. So as it's been very helpful for me personally, moving into a small business owner role, because I had one of my own advisors is like, yeah, so you're gonna need to get really comfortable with being worried about cash every day. I was like, what? I don't have to worry about cash? Like I'm in year, I don't know, six. Like it doesn't go away, <laughs> it doesn't go away. And it's like, I worried, like we worried about that at the big company, but in a very different way. So um, those muscles are very transferable and I think actually help can propel very quickly some um, light bulbs that can go off in terms of your thinking. Yeah, I think you're pressure tested so much in those roles that you don't realize it. And then you get out in the non-corporate world and you're like, wow, I have like a transferable skill set. But all that to say that, you know, small businesses by using a firm like yours get access to that without having to, you know, work or, or hire a former CEO of Exxon or whatever. Yeah. Or give away your equity. So we've um, yeah. also found like a new niche, right? So we're still in this model, we're still testing and learning. And 
uh, there are small businesses out there who have brought on advisors to their board and they're giving away pieces of equity in order to get that advice. I'm like, oh no, we do not need that. Like, why are we doing that? So we've had, we have some real interest around, um, and this is kind of a sneak peek of a feature that'll be launching that we're working on what we call a PAC, a personal advisory group where you can go and select, like I want this, a CFO, a CMO, and a chief digital officer, and they're gonna be our advisory pack for the next you know, two quarters or four quarters. And we're not giving away equity as some part of that. That's actually- a, I think it's important. That's a great idea. Because that's kind of what I was thinking is, uh, is uh, if, if, and you have to, I would have to believe, usually if you're, and these are things I've learned as I've gotten, uh, I like to try and be, if I'm going into a group, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room so I can learn. Um, typically, if you're getting to that level of C level, you've also kind of done something similar because you surround yourself with other smart people, your your peers, and things like that. Do you think it's fair that if somebody brings in a uh, let's just say they bring on one person who's their CMO, or like as an example, if they don't, do you think it's fair that they might ask? one of their peers, like, Hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm working with this company. Like they might ask them to say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. How would that impact? The reason I asked that question is you might actually get more out of that person because of who they're connected with as well. Cause they're still trying to solve their problem for you. They're trying they're, they care about you. You've hired them to help solve a problem. Do you think that's something that happens? I do. I think there's a real um, connectivity that happens in the conversation and the advice in terms of um, sharing, hey, I'm going through this too. I mean, one of the things about the ReachXOD model is it's not a group of consultants. These are people sitting in a seat or in a board role. And the reason they're participating in the framework with us is because they actually really want to give back. It's not because they're actually like dying to make some money. They really want to make meaningful connections and help small business particularly succeed. And so they can share insights that they've learned and networking and all kinds of stuff um, based on that particular problem set. I know that that's been true for me personally. Yeah, our clients may not have like a frame of reference for what it's like to have a board. When would it make sense for your company to have a board? I would say, you know, if you are very satisfied to just keep doing what you're doing and grow two to 3% a year, and you're not really looking to swing for the fences, then okay. But if you're really looking for ways to grow, then I go back number one to do you have a business plan, get your strategy and your plan done. It doesn't have to be fancy, but it needs to have some specific components. And then if you're really thinking about, you know, if I'm running a hundred million dollar business, I definitely have a strategic plan. I definitely have a business plan. I'd say if I'm running a $6 million business, I have that. And if I'm looking to acquire, if I'm looking to make a big move, like I'm going to, I'm not digital at all. And I want to go digital and I want to double down on that. And I really want to move a bunch of investment money in that direction next year. I'd probably want a little bit of an advisor group to challenge me and my thinking around that, right? So where you're making bets with your money, do you have an advisor group that's able to provide outside influence and insight and challenge your thinking? Because maybe you only need to put half your money in, or maybe there are some options out there like digital marketing. Like, do you need a full team of digital marketers when there are actually digital marketing agencies that are going to get you way more reach and bang for your buck and you're a small reach. business? <laughs> it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So, um, and we have those conversations all the time. I will say we have them all the time. So like, I really want a person. I really want them to work for me. And we're like, why? Like, you, do you realize that this is actually what they do for a living and you're going to pay this much money and they are going to get you so much more? You need five people to do what they do. And so if you don't know that, if you don't live in that space, you would never know to avail yourself of that opportunity or the benefits that you're going to get as a result. So you can have one accounting person or you can outsource your accounting and you can get a controller, a senior accountant, an accountant, and a clerical staff. Like that's kind of a no brainer. And so again, that advisor thought process really does help infuse you in making the right decisions about your business going forward. So I will say this, um, when you were talking, uh, just a few minutes ago, it made me think of some of the, um, 
and a lot of these guys have and gals have come out of the woodworks uh, through COVID is I've hired, I'm not, I am humble enough to ask for help when I don't have it figured out. I'm humble enough to uh, admit when I don't know something or I'm hung up on something and go to somebody that, that might. I've hired advisors or I've hired consultants to help me. And uh, I would say most of the time it hasn't really panned out. Um, it might have created some like different thought processes for me as the visionary, but it hasn't really panned out. Now, here's my point. The caliber is significantly different than what you're talking about. So, because once you go to someone who is at the caliber like you guys offer, like you said, they're already sitting in some of these seats, right? And they're not, they don't need your money. They don't need your money, but they have a heart for serving these guys, right? They're trying to, to, to do what they love to do. And that's to help build businesses using their skill set. So you're kind of bypassing this, oh man, am I getting sold here? Like, is it, and you're going right to the people who can actually get it done. And I think you can have confidence in that. Cause I do think that's something that comes up when you say, Paul is like, we get approached by everybody who's like, well, let me kind of consult your business. And I'm like, that sounds good. You've done more than I have, but it's not quite panned out. Um, and no, I'm not talking about my partnership with uh, Gainer, uh, Gary V and Sasha, other stuff I've tried along the ways. Um, I don't not necessarily, not necessarily saying that their heart wasn't in the right place. It just wasn't a fit and it wasn't enough ex, uh, actionable items that we could execute to make it valuable. I believe this bypasses that. And that was part of the reason of me doing this is because I've too have been through those experiences as I'm sure you've probably experienced some of that stuff before in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's super important to just kind of acknowledge that there's two things. One, um, I actually have one of our executive XODs and, uh, she's fantastic. And she's like, I am super into this. I absolutely want to help. And for, if I have expertise that could help a company, I want to be able to share it. She's like, my only concern is that people have to actually listen and a lot of mm. <laughs> that's actually like, listen and then action so we try to make sure that we're coaching both sides that at the end of your if you want three hours to talk about like i'm thinking about doing an acquisition and you want to talk to a ceo that can help you think through that first of all that's probably not a 30-minute conversation it's probably more of a, at least a three-hour conversation mm-hmm. and then two what's your action plan at the end of that session, what is your action plan? Simple. Like what are the three things or the one thing you're going to go get done right now? And I think that that's a very important component to getting advice is making sure that you know exactly what your action plan is and how you trigger and take that next step. And a lot of times I find, at least from a competitive set with us, um, companies are less interested in providing that really practical, like go do this. And I think that's really important to being able to monetize and um, get your return on your investment related to advice and consulting. So whether that's with us or someone else, make sure that you get a very clear action plan on what to do that you understand. So this may appear like it's coming from left field, but I've got to ask because we don't always get people like you on our show. So you mentioned it's lonely at the top and I've observed it. I mean, I see it. I see it with our, our dear friend, Chris here sometimes. Tell me, nothing's, nothing's harder than making tough decisions when you're kind of isolated, right? And you know it's your call. What are some of the, or the like most difficult decisions you've had to make as a CEO or for your clients? Um, again, that's really, really left field. No, it's a great question. Um, so, and, it, and it, I go, I know exactly what my answer is because it is in fact what triggered the whole entire process of visioning ReachXOD when all this hit and we shut down hard, you know, um, and it, you know, we just shut down, I, I was reflecting back to what it felt like to work for a company where my first day that I was employed, I was brought into this particular entity to um, turn them around in terms of their whole technology platform and launch this whole digital ecosystem. And it was all with this view of, you know, we're growing. Okay, so understand that that's the framework at which I entered this company. It's this super big growth. Yeah, we're so excited. Thing. I walk in to the first executive meeting. The door is shut. We're sitting around. I'm looking at my peers for the very first time. 
and the CEO gets up and says, so here's the deal. We're not leaving until we take $50 million out of the business. And by that, I mean, it comes out in the next two weeks or we will not make payroll. And I was like, Damn. what? <laughs> it's just so beyond upset about it. And, and there were a lot of other hooks into that, but the subsequent, and this was earlier on in my career, by the way. So this is not after I'd been seasoned and through the fire. And I'd certainly laid people off before, but it was all for performance reasons. Um, this one was, I had to lay off 50 people in one day. And many of them had worked for the company for 20 years. Brutal. And it was heartbreaking for me absolutely heartbreaking. And I refused to put everybody in a room and say, you're all leaving. I personally did back to back 15 minute meetings with every single person because I felt like that they deserved that. And it was so, I mean, trust me, it was harder for them than it was for me. So in no way do I, am I eliciting any kind of level of empathy, but it was either we take these draconian actions and the company is going to live on and the other 7,000 people that work for it will have a job or we don't take these actions and we're done in less than two months. And to just yeah. have to wear and carry the weight of that and knowing that I, I personally affected 50 people's families and the lives and oh my gosh, as an early executive, it was extremely dark nights for me for that. And it took a lot of um, mental and emotional exercise to learn that that's actually what the role is as a leader. It's both good and it's also making these horrific decisions at time. And you've mentioned a couple of times about forecasting cash and you've said it with like a lot of authority and I'm tying that together that um, those experiences are what have given you like that firmness on that statement to say like, I'm never letting people go through this again. Yes, I think definitely. I do have also a background in accounting. So <laughs> okay, out of Deloitte. So I've got pretty good training around <laughs> right. that. But there are just some basic disciplines that you need to be practicing if you actually are employing people. Um, and there are also trade-offs. You know, like as a business owner, I gotta decide, you know, especially if you're in a cash crunch, there's all kinds of things that are going on, but at least be on top of where your cash is and where it's going, and are you gonna be able to meet your obligations if you're going through a rough spot? And the problem, one of the problems, like kind of a little dirty secret here is there were a lot of companies that are mid to big size businesses that were getting by and they weren't practicing good cash forecasting. You People would be very surprised, very surprised about some of the entities out there who had a quasi cash forecast process going because they were complacent and they didn't have to worry about it. They're just rolled in their mind. They had plenty of cash. Well, when the gates come close and your inventory is not moving and you can't sell anything and, like, like that starts to kind of crumble and fall apart. So those that were heavily leveraged, many of them have not made it or they will not make it through the end of this year. So, you know, staying in a healthy position from a cash flow perspective is a huge priority. And if your business isn't in that situation and you need some help to figure out how to get in it, I strongly advise you to get advice for that um, because it is, it is your lifeline. Cash is super important, <laughs> like I mentioned. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, cash is king. Um, and that's actually something that's been really um, uh, brought up many, many, many times on many, many episodes. And I've been in many conversations, and especially during COVID, like uh, if you didn't have a good brand um, to kind of help get you through it. And thank goodness for the majority of our listeners, um, well, they're deemed essential businesses. So it was a little bit different every year for us, um, which is great. Government deemed essential businesses. But you had to make sure that you were on point with your cash. And I think it brought a lot of light to people saying like, oh shit, I didn't have my you know, ducks in a row and I, and I didn't know. And I was kind of loosely watching things and it wasn't paying attention to which marketing was producing what dollar. And, and I, and oh my gosh, I was paying for these three extra, you know, this campaign and, or this tool that I'm not even using anymore. I'm wasting money. And you caught these things um, because you really had to pay attention to your cash. And what it leads back to is there was another layer of accountability, but you had no choice at that point. So yes, doing all these things is great. And, and you mentioned something t uh, also that we say often, and it's, you know, your, uh, you, your ambition has to match your action, but it is good to have somebody hold you accountable for those things. And at, and at nothing, like at bare minimum, if you can put a plan in place for yourself, and, I, and I'm going to start to wrap this thing up too, because I think we're about 55 minutes in. 
um, is if you have a business plan in place or one that you think is good that you're following, that's being somewhat successful or it's being moderately successful, whatever, you've got something in place that you're following now, your cash is good, um, like you feel like you've got good leadership, you're, you know, you're, you're taking care of your customers, you're giving them a good customer experience, like things are going good, uh, don't get complacent. Because that's usually when things can start to go backwards, right? Like we say on the intro of the podcast, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I do believe you should continue to push yourself forward. Don't get complacent with being okay. Don't be complacent with, hey, we're great. you got to keep pushing forward, especially because competitors are coming for you. But you can use things like this in the simplest, in the simplest way of saying, I need somebody who's going to help push me into being a better visionary for this company because here's where I'm at. Uh, I need somebody to push me in marketing. It's not a digital marketing company or a traditional marketing company who's trying to quote unquote sell me on what they think is best for my company. So I would like somebody who's actually got some skill set there. So I encourage you listeners to utilize this type of a platform to push you ahead and give you new ideas, things that you might not have heard within your own industry, within your own peers, and then hold you accountable and hold you accountable to move your business forward because you know what? You deserve it and your families deserve it and your employees deserve it and your employees' families deserve it and so on and so forth. You stepped out and started a company, whether it's just you or you've got multiple employees, it's on you to give yourself and them opportunity to continue to grow at whatever means possible. You got to do a good job first. You got to take care of your company. Use sources just like this to help you do it if you don't have that skill set. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. I was on the, I was preaching there for a second. I was feeling it because that's kind of where I was going. So uh, listen, actually appreciate you so much on here. What I want you to do real quick um, as we're leaving too is just, can you let the listeners know the best way to connect with you and or your team? Um, you can share the website, whatever. And we'll share some of these things in the post as well. But if you would share that, please, uh, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, so I would say definitely check out our website at www.reachxod.com. Um, you can call us at 844-243-6546. But I would also say, you know, if you have an urgent need, if you've heard something today that you're like, oh my gosh, this is super urgent in my business, email me personally at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-E dot Aldridge, A-L-D-R-I-D-G-E at reachxod.com. And I will get back to you. Ashley, some, somebody says, oh shit, I got a problem. I need help right now. I just listened to this. And they say, Ashley, I need help. How long does it take for Ashley or somebody from Ashley's team to get back to them to help them? Well, assuming you don't email me at 1 a.m., <laughs> I will get back to you. I'm going to hey, you out. <laughs> no promises. No promises. Uh, I can I tell mean, by the text messages I get. Yeah, exactly. We will get back to you. Um, Imminently, very quickly. Awesome. Myself or team members. I Can I squeeze in one more question? Oh, goodness. Okay, fine. I know, Paul, I know. Bear with me. All right. I was going to give you like trivia question. You could pick a category, but I'm going to focus on leadership. Last question. So you've met some impressive people. You've met some very high-powered people. Who do you admire the most? Ooh, like a mentor or just a, somebody yeah, you Yeah, just in business, you know? Who did you meet that really had a, a remarkable impact on you or just somebody you think about? Who do you aspire to be? Mm, who do I aspire to be? Myself. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> a much better version of myself, I think. Um, this is not going to be an answer in the way that you would expect, but the thing that Good. gets me jazzed is being in the market with my clients, whether that's when I sat in the seat, I, I loved going to the stores. I wanted to be with the customers. I wanted to ask them questions. I wanted to learn from them. Like, what are we doing that works and doesn't work? And then now as a CEO of managed consulting firm, I want to be with my customers. I want to find out what their problems are and how can we help you solve them? And are we doing a good job? And like, that's what actually gets me excited. Not, I know, I mean, yeah. yes, I've met some really amazing people. I've got some big names to put on the board, but that excites me way more personally. That's a great answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's what it's all about. It's this customer experience. You like to be in it with them, listen to them, adjust as needed to make sure the customer experience is at its absolute best. Is that fair? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. Well, listen, actually super grateful for you to be on here today and spending an hour with us. Um, you know, it's, it's always good to kind of get some different, you know, different looks at things, different advice, 
from people all over. Um, and, and I don't think often enough we have enough just straight business-minded people on here that are outside of the industry to give us a different look, for myself included. Um, because Paul and I learned so much of this podcast, especially this year. I mean, we're coming up on almost f- oh, 50 episodes, I think, by the end of the wow. year. Um, and the volume of things I've learned from it has been so awesome because I, like you, love the process, love understanding, fixing. You know, but at the end of the day, the only reason I own a company is to serve other companies, to help them grow. That's my only job. That's our only job. The purpose of this podcast was to help those that I can't partner with. You know, this was my way of being able to give them back to those I I couldn't actually bring on board as a customer. And so it's our job, our duty, myself and Tall Paul, to bring on guests and try to ask all the right questions, to give the listeners good takeaways that advance their businesses forward. And I absolutely believe this would do that. So listeners, I hope that you enjoyed Ashley's uh, all Ashley's information and, and of course Tall Paul's great questions that he's just so good at asking. And by the way, shout out to Brad Campbell who told me that uh, I should stop busting Tall Paul's chops. Still not going to happen, Thanks, but uh, <laughs> I will continue to do those things. But he does ask really great questions, so I'm going to give him some credit where credit is due. But Ashley, thanks again so much for being on here. Appreciate you. Listen, if you took anything away from this, it's that sometimes what you need to do isn't what you're thinking at all. Right. And if you don't have the answer, find somebody who's been in a a, a very successful C suite level seat who's got tons of knowledge. Like Ashley said, it's kind of vetted. They haven't just been handed some business and were successful there for like a year or two. Like they had to get through it. They went through some times. Like they was a, was it a, uh, the, uh, what's it about the sailor? Like a a calm sea, never, whatever the hell it is. A good sailor is something along the, do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but I want to keep you. I want to hear Holy you. Holy shit! I butchered that. Coming one. through it. Uh, rough sea never made it. Uh, shut up! You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, Google it. You'll find out. Listeners, we thank you so much. But we appreciate you guys. Keep leaving the reviews. Keep subscribing. We well, love seeing all the downloads going up and the and the streams going up and all the uh, awesome comments and and messages to me. And uh, listen, Paul gets it. Okay, he knows he 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 loves me busting his chops. So I'm tired of hearing it. Okay, <laughs> until next time. We appreciate you guys so much. We'll see ya. Thank you for listening to To The Point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the App Store. And don't forget to share with your friends. Till next time, kick some ass.